Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf, the uh, podcast and the live today because it is a Monday. Um, wow, big win over the weekend for sure for Justin Thomas. Let's talk about it. We'll start it with the, uh, we'll get the intro going and we'll jump right into it. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Aaron Stewart with Data Access Golf. We've got, wow, um, I'm, I'm interested to see how these playoffs finish out, i got to say. I, uh, it was quite the um, tournament yesterday. It was Patrick Cantley did not make it easy on Justin Thomas, and he said as much. I think we could all kind of see it in his um, in his posture and things that he was a little bit worried about how uh, Patrick Cantley was playing. And super impressive. I thought it was a I thought it was a great uh, round of golf to watch. It was a great finish for sure. So um, obviously, big changes then with the FedEx Cup uh, this year with the playoffs. Um, and, and I do, I like the idea of, um, East Lake sort of being the end all be all where if you win the tour championship, you win the FedEx cup, it's just all done and it's over. Um, and we don't have two weird champions again, you know, like Tiger Woods and, you know, Justin Rose and, you know, these, these years where we've had two different folks taking home tr- uh, trophies has been a little strange. So. I think this is great. I really like how this is um, how this is working out. But going in, then it's pretty interesting because if you go to PGAtour.com, they have got up already how it's all going to shake out um, this coming week, and it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Obviously, when you know they they went into the tournament there, when they went into the playoffs, everybody was sort of set up one certain way. And, you know, they give a lot of points and obviously for wins. We saw Patrick Reed come screaming up um, and, you know, just huge changes. Earlier in this week, it looked like there was going to be five or six people who were going to sneak in to the playoffs. And it was going to knock, you know, more folks out. That did not happen. That did not occur. And if you go down and look now to the top 30, you've got uh, Jason Kokrak, who started the week at 32nd, moved in on the button on 30th. You've got Lucas Glover, who almost blew it. Wow, that was tough to watch, right? With a, with a, a bogey and a double bogey there in the last three holes. He needed a par on 18 just to get in. But he sneaks in, moving from 41st up to, up to 29th. And then you've got really only one other individual who snuck all the way in who was outside, and that's Hideki Matsuyama, who went from 33rd all the way up to 15th with his amazing play and an unbelievable scoring day yesterday, uh, for sure, on Sunday. So really only three guys. It looked like it was going to be five or six. Only three eventually made it in there. So the pressure got to them or whatever, but it didn't actually work out. And so we've got them all set up now. And as many of you know, it's going to be a little interesting because, and Justin Thompson mentioned this today and uh, mentioned it yesterday in his interview. It's the first time he will go into a Wednesday with a lead, right? I mean, normally everybody starts out even and you go from there, but Justin Thomas will start the um, the championship at Eastlake at minus 10. 
So off the number one hole, he will be at minus 10. And then you've got everybody else down below him. Patrick Cantlay then goes off at minus eight, two strokes behind. And then um, you've got Brooks Kepka. Pat Brooks Kepka at minus seven. I'm pretty interested to see. I thought he had first place pretty well locked up. We'll see if he doesn't turn on things, if, if maybe the tournament is means a little bit more to him now. But you've got Patrick Reed and then Maury McElroy at five. You've got John Rahm all the way down to so you've got John Rahm, Matt Kuchar, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, and Abraham Anser, all starting at minus four. You've then got the group, the minus three group, which is Gary Woodland, Tony Finau, Adam Scott, Dustin Johnson, who fell quite a bit, um, and Hideki Matsuyama. They all start at minus three, so seven strokes behind the minus two group. Paul Casey, Justin Rose, Brant Snedeker, Ricky Fowler, Kevin Kisner, and I didn't even know Kevin Kisner had made it. So there you go. And then you've got the minus one group, Mark, Fl Mark Leishman, Tommy Fleetwood, Corey Connors, uh, Sung J M, and Chez Reevy. And then everybody else, well, and then it's everybody else. Uh, you've got um, Bryson DeChambeau, Louis Oosthuizen, Charles Howell III, Lucas Glover, who snuck in, right? And Jason Kokrak that started even par, 10 strokes behind Justin Thomas. And winner take all. So you either make up 10 strokes or not. It's going to be interesting because it's one of the, this will be a, a situation where strokes gain in this tournament will be uh, super interesting. So the strokes gain number won't necessarily match up with, it's going to be interesting to see how it all sort of shakes out. I mean, I guess it's, it's similar to what it looks like on a Thursday, Friday, or excuse me, a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, a Saturday, Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right, where you've already got people positioned around. But it'll be interesting to see how this goes, and it will be very nice to have uh, one champion at the end of this whole mess. And then I guess it's football season, and we'll start over again. Uh, I wanted to make a real quick announcement for how we're going to do things next year. So starting next year, I will continue. I will probably do all of my broadcasts live, like I'm doing now, and have them videotaped, excuse me, videotaped, recorded, and push, but they will be pushed, the video portion will be pushed to our private Facebook group. And that's open to everybody. You just have to register and come in. So if you want to have uh, video access, then go ahead and do that. And if you don't, and if you don't, you'll always be able to get this on the podcast. So let's, um, let's jump right in and, oh, there it goes. It finally worked. I don't know what was causing the problem. Okay. So, um, this is, let me go ahead. So just, uh, Justin Thomas obviously winning the PGA Championship, I mean, excuse me, BMW Championship. Um, so just a little bit that we picked up about uh, Justin, courtesy of Wikipedia, but he has been the former number one, um, born in Louisville, Kentucky, third youngest to make the cut in a PGA Tour event, which I thought was pretty cool, at 16 years of age, three months and 24 days. And he played college at the University of Alabama. And pretty much anybody who's ever listened to him talk um, knows that he follows Alabama football, that he loves, that he likes to say roll tide. So he is um, Alabama Crimson Tide through and through. And uh, he won six times as a collegiate player, uh, six tournaments. As a freshman, he won the Haskins Award as the most outstanding collegiate player which I thought was pretty cool. And then he has 10 PGA Tour wins, as we heard, I don't know how many times they said that yesterday after he won, but 
Um, he's got 10 wins, one major, the 2017 PGA. He's won one World Golf Championship, two FedEx playoff events, which um, obviously he just did yesterday at the BMW. And then I thought this was sort of too. In 2010, he was on the Junior Ryder Cup team. He played on the Palmer's Cup twice in 2012 and 2013. Uh, he was on the 2013 Walker Cup, 2017 President's Cup, 2018 Ryder Cup, and obviously the 2019 President's Cup for sure. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, just a little bit on um, Justin Thomas. Let's get to the next screen here. Okay, so what did this win do for Justin? Um, well, I, I thought it was interesting. We can see here his world golf rankings. He started the year at fourth. And almost won at the Genesis in L.A., but lost to J.B. Holmes. He had dropped all the way down to number 10, which sounds ridiculous. Number 10 is still, you know, unbelievably amazing. But uh, so, yeah, he dropped all the way down to 10. And let me, let me see if I can change this here. Yeah. You do a different camera there. Let's see if I do this. Nope. I'm sorry about that. There we go. Nope, that doesn't work either. Different camera there. There it is. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, I'm back. Um, so, so world ranking with the victory, he went from number 10 all the way up to number 5, but still one less than he started at, start, started this year at, at number 4. And his current FedEx Cup ranking, as we know, he went from 15 all the way up into number 1 and now takes that minus 10 lead going into um, the first round on what on uh, Thursday, excuse me, on Wednesday. Is that right? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, well, Thursday, right? Thursday. Okay. Um, what does this do then? This kind of it didn't. Uh, it changed the FedEx Cup rankings a lot more, obviously, than it changed the the world. More than it changed the um, than the world golf rankings. But yeah, you've got Justin Thomas then moving all the way up to one. I thought it was Patrick Cantley played so well. That it's, uh, it's cool to see him there sitting at two. He's going to have his eight strokes to go. He really wanted that number one spot though, didn't he? And Tabump Brooks Kepka down to third spot. Then Patrick Reed, Rory McElroy, John Rahm, Matt Kuchar, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, and Abraham Answer had played really, really well. Uh, so really cool to see there. As far as you can see that there were some adjustments in the world golf ranking. Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Rory McElroy, Justin uh, Rose all stayed the same. Then you've got Justin Thomas jumping from 10th to 5th. And then that obviously bumps John Rahm down from 5th to 6th. Patrick Cantley moved up two spots from 9th to 7th, which then pushed down Tiger Woods from 6th to 8th, right? Both Justin Thomas and Patrick Cantley pushed uh, Tiger Woods down, still in top 10, but sitting at 8th. Bryson DeChambeau then got pushed down to 9th. And then Francisco Molinari, kind of the big loser in all of this, with everybody moving up ahead of him like that, got pushed down from seventh to tenth in the world uh, in the world rankings. All right, now we're going to get into some of the cool stuff. This is the stuff that I really enjoy. So we see here a screen. Obviously, legends are players that have made ninety percent of their cuts over the course of their career. Uh, we only look at um, those that have won tournaments this year, but you can see here that. Tiger Woods is the only one who is a legend and continues to be. He would have to miss uh, a bunch of cuts in order to lose this. And um, I think we, we determined it would take seven or eight mixed cuts going on from here in order for him to lose that 90%. You just don't see that happening. Um, and then we do have some players that are making um, progress towards becoming a legend. And those are our elite players. 
Brooks Kapka and Rory McIlroy are actually two close, closest that could probably bump into that Legends um, area. Both of them have had really good years as far as making cuts go. Then we have this solid player group, which includes Holmes, Mitchell, Casey. It includes um, Reed, who won Patrick Reed, who won last year. And he also was at 79%. So both Justin Thomas and Patrick Reed have the opportunity to move from this solid category up to elite with a few more cuts, which um, I I would not be surprised if, if both of them don't pull that off. Then you've got a good group of players. They're the ones that usually play on tour for a long time, but they usually finish near the bottom. They usually don't make it to the tour championship, but usually finish in that top, you know, the, the last 25 on tour, kind of hang out there and make a little money and cruise along. Um, so that's that group of folks. And then you've got the, those that make 59% or less of their cuts are ones that typically lose their cards unless they win, as was, as has been done with Connors, Corey Connors, Homa and Kang. All have kept, will keep their cards for a couple years because they are now exempt. But as far as making cuts, they did not do, um, they've always had a tough time in their careers. So that's how that shakes out. So Justin Thomas, I really thought he was an elite player, as it is right now, as far as his cuts know, cuts go, where he's in the cons his consistency rating, 79%, which puts him in the solid category, but very close to moving up into the elite category. Okay, so now we get to review our benchmarks numbers. And again, our bench, these benchmark numbers that, as you see here in the yellow, are what we, as we um, manage and monitor our game, we would expect for our games to perform above these benchmarks. Anytime our performance levels fall below these benchmarks, that is an area of our game that we should be working on. And so we go ahead and we look at how Justin did for this tournament, and then we look at, at his 2018 numbers. Last week I had Patrick Weed's 2019 numbers, but for whatever reason, PGATour.com, their stats page, the 2019 numbers were down. So I just switched back to 2018 for this week rather than sit around and wait for uh, the PGA Tour to kind of figure that out and put up the 2019 numbers. So we'll use the 2018 numbers for now, and maybe I'll stick with them till the end of the year, uh, just so I don't get stuck. Like, um, <laughs> so I don't get stuck. Uh, anyway, um, driving accuracy for this tournament, you've got Justin uh, finished with 63% of his fairways, which is five points better than he averaged in 2018. Our benchmark is 55%. I found it really interesting, though, that that Justin, he talked a lot about how he made this um, his his last round very difficult on himself because he was missing, couldn't find a fairway. And yet he still averaged for the tournament above what he did for all of 2018. Uh, it pro I'm guessing, I didn't actually look, I didn't have the opportunity to look at just round four numbers because the 2019 stats were kind of held up today. But I'm guessing that he may have been well below the benchmark on on uh, on on Sunday, um, the way he was feeling about it. But we can see here he's both he's in the green, 63 and 55 and 58 percent. We would say um, that he he's above the benchmark. He does not need to necessarily practice those. 58 uh, percent is pretty close to that benchmark though. So um, working on his driver is probably not a, a bad thing. He does hit it a long long way, which obviously makes a big difference. You can see there that he averaged. Uh, up there in that graphic, graphic up above, he averaged 316 yards for the tournament, and that placed him seventh for the week as far as that goes. Um, greens and regulation, for this tournament, he averaged 
Again, five points higher than 2018 numbers at 69%. And uh, also interesting that is, you know, four points higher than our benchmark. So you can kind of see that our benchmarks are actually quite, I mean, this is Justin Thomas. Our benchmarks are actually pretty close to his average numbers for all of 2018. Uh, for the tournament, he was 100% out of the sand. He was only in the sand three times, but up and down three times, three, three for three. Um, our benchmark is 45%. In 2018, that should say 2018, he averaged 54%. His tournament for the st stroke skiing putting for the tournament was 5.1 uh, strokes picked up on the field. His average is we just want it to be higher than, you know, zero. 0.272, so we picked up 0.2 strokes on the field uh, during each tournament of 2018. Again, those should all be 2018. It looks like I only, I only cut the first two. So uh, his scrambling numbers for uh, for the tournament: 74%. Now 12 points higher than his 2018 numbers, and our scrambling number: 55%. Players that make less than 55%. I think this is interesting. Adam Scott, Gary Woodland, and Gary Kokrak, those three, I mean, Jason Kokrak, those three players did make it to the Tour Championship. They're in the top 30. And yet in their game, we would say their scrambling numbers are below our benchmarks, just to kind of give you an idea of how strong these benchmarks are. And then five, five feet and in, that's something that we always talk about in order for us to really feel comfortable with our putting and make putting work for us. We need to make sure that we have 80, that we want to, we want to make 80% or higher of our five footers. And that just takes a lot of pressure off everything else uh, of our approach game, of our putting game, of our chipping game, of our sand game. If we know we can make our five footers, then we're going to be much better off. Um, so putts per round, Justin averaged 28.3 putts per round. That is well below our. Benchmark, which we have bumped down over the course of the last um, probably three or four weeks, down to 29.5. Put a little more pressure on ourselves um, to get that done. And 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 again, we really want um, I just that those five footers. Five footers have to become such second nature that that will benefit our game immensely. Really, really good. So hopefully that works out. Hopefully that makes sense and is helpful to you. But uh, again, Justin Thomas, a very, very good job for this tournament. He, We usually see when they win that they are above their averages for 2018 and, frankly, 2019. One would assume that's why they win. Um, but sometimes you see them a little, their averages a little below the benchmarks. But in, in Justin Thomas's case, he's a very consistent player. It's all green there, so pretty cool. Okay, the money. We always like to look at the money. So for his win at the BMW, uh, Justin Thomas picked up $1.665 same as Patrick Reed last week. Um, but Justin uh, did it in, I think it was five less strokes, um, which is amazing. Um, so he made, uh, just based on those four days, $416,000, $416,250 per round. Um, just exactly the same as Patrick Reed per hour or 75 hour rounds, $83,250. And per stroke, because they did them five less, less, a little bit higher than Patrick Reed at $6,331 per stroke. His career earnings, Justin Thomas's career earnings now top over $30 million. He has made 108 cuts and that is $279,673 per cut. And as far as 
Um, the winners, this, uh, as far as the best per cut totals, it still leaves him in fifth. Even that big win didn't bump him up enough to overtake Brooks Kepka and his average per cut average. So, um, hopefully that, uh, pretty good money, right? In professional golf, if you're that good. Uh, then again, for the last, again, just until the end of the year, winners of the majors this year, we'll like to review those really quick. Tiger Woods at the Masters, Brooks Kepka at the PGA. U.S. Open, Gary Woodland, that was a memorable one. And at the uh, British Open, Shane Lowry. I, I, a lot of this is just for me. I can't from year to year remember who won the majors before. So hopefully next year I'll be able to remember these and I don't fall over myself and make a fool of myself. So that's why I continue to repeat these. Um, hopefully they're helpful for you as well. But that is it for our show. We zipped right through it today. So that's great. Hopefully this makes sense to you. If you have any questions about those benchmarks, I'd be happy to talk to you about them. I am so grateful. I know I missed a couple of days last week. We were we were out of town, but it was by far the best week we've got for questions. And I really appreciate uh, the questions that we received. I think that it's going to make. Um, I got to have a lot of questions in order to get through the off season, and so we picked up like 24 questions and things that we're going to talk about. Um, I've had some requests on looking at some different swings and doing some analysis of those swings, so we'll definitely do that over the off-season. And has some pretty cool um, equipment manufacturers contact me about maybe doing some testing and stuff over the winter. So that would be really fun as well. So looking forward to doing all of that. I appreciate everybody who's here with me. Uh, if it wasn't for you folks, then none of these people would be contacting me and, and asking for my opinion. And uh, so thank you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Comments, like, um, please find us on uh, either Facebook at Data Access Golf. And we've got the YouTube channel also, Data Access Golf. Uh, we're on, like us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I like, I like to put up a lot of uh, cool quotes and scoring and stuff on our Instagram page that then gets pushed over to our Facebook page. Check us out there as well. I look at those comments. And until next time, this is Aaron Stewart saying, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.